Good morning, Northwestern. I have the opportunity to introduce our special guest speaker today. I'm super pumped. Um, this mystery professor has been in youth ministry for over 10 years uh, as a youth pastor, children's pastor, or emerging adults pastor. She uh, is married to her husband, Chris, has two sons, Josiah and Nathaniel, and a little scraggly dog named Mo, who might not make it very long. <laughs> respectfully, respectfully. So without further ado, would you please welcome to stage, Dr. Megan Brown. Thanks, Evan. Good morning. I'm super excited to be here. It's such a privilege for me to get to be in chapel this morning. Before I get started, um, just show of hands, how many of you were here last week when Dr. Taya spoke in chapel? Yeah, he did awesome. Um, I was so encouraged because you all were so participatory. So I have high hopes today, okay, that you will do the same for me. And if you don't, that's okay. I won't take it personal. Um, but softball question for you to start. Just show of hands again. I won't make you say anything yet. Um, how many of you have at least one really close relationship? So one person in your life that you feel like is really close to you, you care a lot about? That's most hands. The rest of you, I'll get to you. And then how many of you have at least one close relationship that is really challenging or really hard? Some of you are that challenging person, right? Um, put your hand down. Um, I, too, have a really close, a few close relationships, but one that always comes to mind is my maternal grandmother. So, Grandma, I think we have a picture of Grandma. Can we put her up there? There she is, and little Dr. Brown, and my not photogenic parents. Don't tell them I showed that picture today. They will come for me. Um, there's Grandma when I'm a little girl. Um, I grew up in the South, those of you who don't know me well, and so Grandma is Southern. So if you think for one moment that she's all sugar and no spice, you're all wrong. Um, I think we have a second picture of Grandma. There's Grandma as an older Grandma and me as an adult. And then this next one shows you a little bit of spicy Grandma. So, do you see the hip cock and the look, right? That's my, my great aunt, her younger sister. And I imagine Grandma saying, did you hear me to her? Um, and as a kid, I heard Grandma say, did you hear me a lot? And sometimes it was, did you hear me, you're in trouble. Other times it was, did you hear me? Because I want you to hear this good thing I have to tell you about who you are, about what God says about you. And so the only answer to grandma when you're a Southern child and she says, did you hear me, is yes, ma'am. So play with me today. When I say something and I say, did you hear me, you're gonna say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma there we go, okay, thanks for playing. Um, I will try to say it a few more times to ensure you're awake, okay? Deal? Did you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Great. Um, all that aside, I'm here today to talk about kingdom relationships, and I believe firmly that relationships are really important and central to who we are, who we become, and core to our development, actually. So who we are is very dependent and tied to our relational involvement. And ultimately, I want to recognize as I start this morning that all of you in the room are at different places relationally. Some of you, as college students, are over here and you're living your best life, right? Relationships are going great, um, no complaints, best season ever, your friends are literally in your room 
um, or next door to you. So things are going great. Others of you, some of your relationships are a little hard, a little challenging, maybe filled with grief or loss or just struggle or maybe confusion. You're having a hard time. And I want to normalize that wherever you're over here or over here, that's actually normal at this stage of your life to be somewhere along that spectrum. And it's normal throughout your life, actually. But for those of you in the struggle side, um, you may be feeling a little lonely or frustrated or just having a hard time. And so as I continue, just turn to your neighbor quick and ask, are you lonely? (laughs) And if they said yes, If they said yes, just whisper quietly, I'm here for you, it's okay. (laughs) And now I'm gonna lose you all, so I'll just wait. (laughs) If you're feeling lonely, if that's you, if you're feeling lonely, you're not alone. In fact, research tells us that in our current culture, College students and senior adults are among the loneliest people in our culture, which I think is shocking, actually. Um, I don't know about you, but as a college student, I loved college life, relationships were great, and I can't wait to be an old lady, because assisted living is just like college, minus the homework. So I'm looking super forward to it. It's gonna be great. Some of you never thought of that until just now, so you're welcome. That was free for coming today. (laughs) But you're welcome, I digress. So. My point, and you can take grandma off so she's not distracting us. Um, My point is that wherever you are, you are designed by God for relational engagement. God has made you to be relationally engaged, and I don't mean the ring by spring kind, in case that's confusing. Um, But God has made you to have relationships and created you to care deeply about them. And I think scripture teaches us a lot of things about relationships. And there are tons of passages we could go to today uh, to look at that. And I've asked two students to come and read a passage for us this morning. As they're coming, if you've got your Bible, um, you can get that eight pound ESV we make you buy out of your bag if you have that. Um, Or if you've got an electronic Bible, that's fine. If you're in the back and studying for your biology quiz later, you can just open the tab and humor me. Um, But we're gonna... So we're going to read in Romans 16. So if you'll flip there with us. Uh, Jordan and Ren are going to read Romans 16, starting in verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Meet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong in the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian, and greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphana and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. 
Greet Asyncritus, Philagon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Neros, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thank right. you. Give my hand. All right. Some of you are thinking, what on earth is she going to do with that passage that has anything to do with holy relationships or sacred relationships or kingdom relationships, right? Um, bear with me, because I do have a point. Um, my guess is many of you have probably read or studied Romans, and you get to this part at the end, and you're like, yep, bunch of names. I'm just going to keep turning um, or keep scrolling, right? Um, but my, my point, kind of as we start here, is God puts all those names in Scripture for a reason. And I think when Paul is writing Romans, he has some key points he's making kind of through the back door, if you will, listing all these names. So go with me, if you will, as we talk about some of these characters. Before I jump in, I'm going to give you a little background, uh, just so we're on the same page. Do you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Great. Um, So we know Paul wrote the letter to Romans. Few dispute that. And when he wrote Romans, um, it's around the 50s. So many scholars believe that Paul was probably um, finished with most of his mission God gave him to reach Asia Minor, the Mediterranean world. So he has successfully completed the task of preaching Christ um, to those areas. And at the time of writing Romans, Paul is likely in his Greek home, which was Corinth, for those of you who don't remember that fact from your New Testament survey class. Um, But he's playing Corinth, and he's there for about three months. Um, staying with friends, so it's probably one of the more comfortable stays for Paul throughout his missionary journey, Um, and he's able to write this letter and craft it with some thought and some time, Um, and we know from the end of Romans, if you keep reading there in 16, we learn he had a scribe, so someone was writing it for him, and unlike Paul's other letters where he was living in some less ideal conditions, like prison, where he was writing, he is likely at a home, staying with friends, writing and crafting this letter to the Romans. What you may not know is that Paul is writing to Roman churches, plural. So not just one church, but a collection of churches in Rome. And we know this because of this list in chapter 16 that we just read. So as Paul is writing, he is talking to both Jewish converts, Jewish believers, also diaspora Jews, and Gentile converts from all over. So Rome was a pretty popular area at the time, full of diversity, Lots of different people lived there. Um, Lots of different cultural expectations and backgrounds and characters. And so Paul is writing to that great diverse region with some pretty direct and strong things to say. Um, We know at that time, many of the believers were scattered around meeting in different pockets. And so there wasn't a clear homogeneous organizational structure, which basically means they didn't have a set structured plan for how they met or what they did. Um, as different churches. And so Paul is kind of calling out to them in his letter. He talks about apologetics. He talks about evangelism. He talks about law and practice. If you read through Romans, tons of rich things, right, that Paul says in that letter. Second background item, Paul is incredibly well-connected, hence all these names that he lists. He knows these people by name. And so he's going to call out this collection of individuals. And fun fact, letters traveled pretty quickly um, in that time period. So a letter from Corinth to Rome took about a week, which I don't know if you get letters in the mail anymore, but that's about as good as our postal system today. Did you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. 
And if you work for the Postal Service, I'm not trying to stab you. I'm just making a reference that the letter traveled quickly, that it got there fast. And so that brings us to this kind of area where we have this list of names in chapter 16. I am not gonna read through every single one of them and go name by name, verse by verse, but I'm gonna give you a collection of ideas that I think Paul is teaching us from this passage that we can relate to kingdom relationships. And there are five of them, so try to hang with me, okay? So if you look back at the text, if you wanna follow along, I would encourage you to do that. If you don't, I'll never know. But we're gonna start in verse one where Paul mentions Phoebe. Phoebe, he says in that passage, um, he tells the churches to welcome her and to help her. So if you read the passage there in the text, he says, welcome her and help her. A fun thing to know about Phoebe is that Phoebe is not a Jewish name. She was likely a convert, a Gentile convert, and she's likely the courier of the letter. So Paul is giving Phoebe the letter, and she is charged with taking it to all these churches. And so Paul's greeting here is saying, hey, churches, when you read this letter and Phoebe comes to you, you need to be hospitable to her. You need to welcome her. You need to take care of her and be hospitable toward her. So the first thing I think Paul's telling us about kingdom relationships from this passage and list of names is to be hospitable. So number one, say it back. Yeah, thanks. We'll try that again in a minute. Be hospitable. You have a cheat sheet too. Um, Second, keep reading. In verse three, Paul mentions Priscilla and Aquila, or Prisca and Aquila, depending on translation that you're reading. These two characters you may remember from Acts. They're pretty well known. And Priscilla and Aquila are one of my favorite couples in the New Testament. If there ever was a power couple, it has to be them. Um, They work together closely. They are champions for faith. Um, They're apparently pretty savvy. They deal with Apollos. You all might know many of these points. Um, But they're also close and dear friends to Paul. And so he's saying, hey, you guys, I want to mention Priscilla and Aquila and tell you to greet them. And he's going to say that word greet over and over and over. And then Paul goes on that verse to say, I give thanks for Priscilla and Aquila. So Paul's saying, I am thankful for them and say hi to their church for me. So it's pretty clear that they must be in Rome. They must be in one of those churches that Paul's writing to And Paul is saying, I am so grateful for my friends, Priscilla and Aquila, and churches you should be grateful too because they're leaders, they are examples of faith, and they are people who are important in your community. So Paul's saying, if I give thanks for them, you should give thanks too. Then if you skip down with me to verse six, Paul mentions Mary, and then skip down again to verse 12, and you'll see three women named Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Persis. And all of those women, all four women, Paul follows his acknowledgement of them with, they have worked hard for you. And that means, what Paul is saying, is these women are prayer warriors, and they have been praying hard for you, and churches, you need to extend some gratitude and be grateful for them, um, because they have worked hard to pray and uphold your communities and be thoughtful in prayer. And I don't know about you all, but I have some prayer warriors in my life. So people that I know I can call or text and say, hey, I have this thing going on. Can you please pray? And I know with no doubt that they'll pray. There are some friends, you know, you ask them to pray for you and they say they'll do it and they never do it. Um, But I have some friends, and hopefully you do too, that I ask them and I know for sure they're gonna be praying. And that's what Mary and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis were like. They were gonna pray if they said they would pray. 
So let me encourage you, if you don't have people like that in your life, to find some, because they're really, really good to have on your side and in your corner um, for all kinds of situations. So one of mine is Debbie. Debbie's a delight. She comes to my classes if you take relationships. Shameless commercial, take relationships. Um, But Debbie comes every semester, and she is such a woman of wisdom and care and prayer. So she's probably praying right now because I'm standing up here. Thank goodness. Um, So find those people in your life that will pray for you and love you and work hard for you. So kingdom relationships, first Paul says, be hospitable. Second Paul says, show gratitude. Look at you playing along, thanks. Third, if you wanna keep reading, you'll get to verse five in the text. In verse five, Paul is addressing a penitent. If you speak Greek and I'm saying it wrong, come tell me later. but he calls out a penitent and he says he is one of the first converts in uh, their community in Asia. And so he's calling out the first convert. And if you keep reading a little longer in verse 7, Paul mentions Andronicus and Junia. And he says, who were in Christ before me. So do you see he has first convert, new believer. And then he follows with those in Christ before me. So Andronicus and Junia were likely eyewitnesses to Christ. They were likely present when Jesus was here. And so Paul is saying, we've got these two bookends, a new believer and people who were on the journey before me. And his point is we need to acknowledge both of those realities. So he's saying, hey churches in Rome, you need to recognize and acknowledge the new believer who needs your support and your care and discipleship and also to learn from them on their journey but you also need to acknowledge those who are over here and have been on the journey longer than you, who are wiser and have walked with Christ and know uh, what's best for you. Acknowledge both of these people. So Paul is calling them out directly and saying, hey, you need to extend acknowledgement to those on either side, new believer or those on the journey longer than you. So, so far, Paul says, be hospitable, show gratitude, Extend acknowledgement. Next, keep reading. If you go down to verse 13, you will see Paul mentions Rufus and his mother. Um, It's interesting the the mother's not named, but there's lots of reasons for that. We don't have time for that right now, so we won't get into that. But Paul mentions Rufus and his mother, and he says, who has also been a mother to me. So Paul is acknowledging this woman in faith, who has mothered him, which I think says a lot. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about, right? Some lady has mothered him. And so I think what Paul is telling the church in this passage, in this verse, is that they need to support each other like family. So Paul is saying, Rufus and his mom have been family to me and extended to me what it means to be family, to have support and care like a brother and a mother would do. And so he's saying, churches, you guys need to be the same for each other support each other, be family, um, be mother or brother or sibling to one another. Something I tell my boys, I think we have a picture of the boys too. There they are. Oh, I know. The scrappy dog is not there, to quote Evan. But um, that's Josiah the older and Nathaniel the younger. And they do love each other that much. That is not just an anomaly of a photo. Um, They really are close. But I often tell them um, to repeat after me. So I'll say, boys, what's a brother? And they'll say, what's a brother? And I'll say, a friend God gives you. And they repeat it back to me. 
Um, and I condition them this way so they don't forget the importance of a sibling is that it's a friend God gives you. And I think in the back of Paul's mind, if I were to imagine this, Paul is telling the churches, hey, what's a sibling? It's a friend God gives you. Um, so act like it. That's kind of what Paul is saying. He's telling these churches, you need to acknowledge that you have each other and your job as believers and kingdom relationship people is to walk together and to support one another. So we've got four things so far. First, be hospitable. hospitable. Show, extend, offer, support. Last one. Did you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Excellent. All right, last one. If we read through the full passage, which I'm not gonna do again, um, but if you read through the full passage, I think Paul's overall message is unity. And so as kingdom people, for kingdom relationships, we really are called to be unified. And so as you read that collection of names, Paul is telling us to greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so, greet, 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 greet. So if we are greeting one another in a way that Paul is urging the early Roman church, and I think in turn us to do, we are gonna be people of unity and be unified. So I think as we consider relationships among us, and this time of your life is filled with relational opportunity, if you were to heed Paul's advice, you'll be thoughtful about being hospitable to those around you, showing gratitude to those that come across your path. You would extend acknowledgement, acknowledge the believer that's behind you and ahead of you. You would show support where you can do that. And ultimately, the goal of all of those things is to be unified, to work together. And imagine with me if just the people in this room worked toward that goal of being unified and being concerned of others above yourself relationally what that would look like in your dorm rooms, in your apartments, in your homes, in your classroom, the places where you work, in your church, and also just in our broader community. What if we heeded Paul's advice to these collection of churches and individuals, and we tried to do these five things? So my encouragement to you, as you think about relationships, is to consider how you can be hospitable how you can show gratitude, how you can extend acknowledgement, how you can support, and how you can seek to be unified, how you can seek unity. So, just to help me close, let's repeat them back. Um, show, or be hospitable. <laughs> show, gratitude. extend, acknowledgement. offer support, and be unified. So to close, I'm just gonna lead us in a little reflective prayer, and they are on the screen for you there. But I'd love for you to pray with me and just think about ways that you can do these five things and your, your circle of influence. So among your roommates, your classmates, your coworkers, your friends. Um, so just pray with me, and then we will wrap up, okay? God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for people like the Apostle Paul, God, who... Um, just sought you with all their hearts, Lord, and God had a heart for people that didn't know you. God, I pray that you would stir the same in us. God, that we could be people that care deeply about others, Lord, that we would seek to be hospitable where we can, that we would show gratitude, that we would acknowledge those ahead on the journey and behind the journey, God, to learn from them. God, I pray that you help us uh, to support those that need support and accept that support when we are the ones in need. 
And God, ultimately, that you teach us what it means to be people of unity. God, that seek the best above ourselves for others. And God, I just lift the individuals in this room, God, as they are thinking and reflecting, Lord, that you would help stir in their hearts ways to do these five things, God, in tangible ways. Lord, that you would teach us to be your people and call us um, to follow in the footsteps of those before us, like Paul, that demonstrate what it means to follow Christ with all of our hearts. We lift these things in your son's name. Amen.